Welcome to Petrifaction. I'm your host, Petey. And if you like stories about ghosts, monsters, vampires, the weird and mysterious, UFOs, Bigfoot, and other cryptids, you're in the right place. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Remember, friends, be prepared to be petrified. Welcome back, everybody, and it's good to be back again, friends. Today's show is about man-eaters, and I mean literally, they're man-eaters. Everything from man-eating fish to sharks and river sharks, yes, I said river sharks, they're a real thing, to just plain old man-eaters, better known as cannibals. This will be a good show, folks. I am so glad you're with me today to enjoy it. First up is man-eating fish. Now, everyone knows that piranhas are man-eaters, right? Where did this come from? How did we discover this? It all comes back to American President Theodore Roosevelt, who was visiting the Amazon in Brazil when local fishermen set up a spectacular event involving piranha. The men had blocked off part of the river, and they had starved the piranha for several days. And in an attempt to make it a good show for the president, they picked an unfortunate cow and then pushed it into the water. And it was at that point that the piranhas lived up to their reputation. They promptly stripped it clean to the bones. And on returning home, Roosevelt wrote all about this. He called them fearsome fish. And he pretty much was unaware that the event had largely been a setup for his own benefit. The facts are that piranha are mostly omnivores. That means they eat a variety of things. They don't eat just meat. Their preferred diet is fish, insects, fruit, and plants. They will attack larger animals if the animal has already passed away. Natives to the area from Peru to Brazil all swim in the Amazon River without fear of attack. And 
the only time they tend to eat humans is if it is a dead body. If humans are attacked, it's generally little bits or little bites on the extremities, like the toes and the fingers. They're not really a cuddly fish by any means, but piranha are actually not the ravenous, frenzied monsters that we've all been taught that they are. So we've heard about piranhas and we know that they're not really man-eaters. But what about catfish? You know, growing up, I heard stories about catfish at the bottom of a lake that was about five miles from where I lived. And the divers would go in, scuba divers from a search and rescue team would go in that lake and practice every year to be ready in case something would happen in the summer season. And every year you would hear tales from some of these divers about the size of the catfish that were at the bottom of this lake. And they were terrified. They said that they were at least six feet long. They were bigger than a man in some cases. But this particular story was submitted by Dan Parsons. And it's about Lake Lanier, which is a popular recreation area in Georgia. It's a lake where families gather for outdoor activities like picnicking and cookouts, swimming, boating, and fishing. And there are numerous activities at the lake year-round. And in particular, one of the things that they do in the South is called noodling. Noodling is fishing for catfish using one's bare hands. And it's practiced primarily in the southern United States. It's where the noodler, who is the person doing the fishing, places their bare hand inside a catfish hole in order to catch the fish. And the fish will come out and literally bite the hand. The noodler will then bring it up and voila, they've caught a catfish. Catfish holes can be in just a few feet of water, but they can also be in deeper water. And some, canoodle, some noodlers have been known to dive in over their heads into a hole to get their catfish. And that's exactly what happened in this case. It occurred in May of 2021 when a group of young men went to Lake Lanier in northern Georgia just to do some catfishing. However, on this trip, they got more than they bargained for and it went drastically wrong. One of the men never returned. This man in particular dove down into the water and discovered a catfish hole in deeper water. But in this case, the noodler never returned to the surface. The other men in the group could only see bubbles on top of the water and an obvious disturbance. They went in to try and help their buddy, but they weren't able to locate him. And they began to dive and search, but nothing was found, except a short sighting in murky, murky water of what appeared to be a giant catfish. They didn't give details on the length, just that it seemed to be a big fish. The friends went to the nearest ranger station and asked for help. And a search and rescue unit was brought in 
to look for the noodler. The man was not recovered until later, when a team of divers were able to locate the giant catfish, said to be over three meters in length. It was killed and brought to the surface by a team of professionals. And the man's body was found partially digested in the fish's gut. A fun fact about Lake Lanier. Lake Lanier is a man-made reservoir that many believe to be haunted. When the valley was flooded in the 50s to create the reserve, it swallowed entire communities including houses, schools, buildings, churches, and even graveyards. Just like in the Poltergeist movie of the 1980s, the bodies were left behind and are now under up to 200 feet of water. The gravestones can still be seen by divers willing to venture down. It wasn't just one cemetery left either, but several are said to be at the bottom of the lake. It's thought this could be just one of the reasons the lake itself is haunted. A story of a real-life river monster comes from northern India, the Kali River Goonch. The Kali River Goonch attacks were a series of deadly attacks believed to have been carried out by an exceptionally large Goonch catfish. It's thought that the catfish developed a taste for human flesh after feeding on corpses thrown into the river as part of funeral ceremonies. The first live victim was an 18-year-old Nepalese man who was dragged down in front of his girlfriend by something described as resembling an elongated pig. Another victim was a child dragged away whilst bathing with his father. Other man-eaters are, of course, sharks. Not a surprise, every year on the East Coast we have sightings and, unfortunately, bitings. A British tourist was believed to have been eaten by a shark during a luxury trip to celebrate his wife's 40th birthday while swimming in what was deemed a safe lagoon. It was reported on Friday. The victim identified as civil servant Richard Martin Turner from Edinburgh was snorkeling by himself in waters off the Reunion Island, a French department in the Indian Ocean where four sharks were later caught. The Daily Mail reported citing Scottish media reports as saying. The 44-year-old's death was confirmed by, ju by judicial sources days after his severed hand and forearm were found in the stomach of a tiger shark, which was at least 13 feet long. His wife identified his remains through his wedding ring. Meanwhile, DNA tests were also being carried out on the other remains found inside the tiger shark to confirm that they belonged to Turner. The other three sharks will also have their stomach contents examined, the Daily Mail said. Turner vanished on November 2nd while snorkeling in Hermitage Lagoon off the coast of Reunion. Despite four sharks being killed near to where he went missing, the lagoon was described by locals as safe for swimmers. The, the lagoon is known for its calm, shallow waters, 
of less than six feet and its dense coral reef, which serves as a barrier that keeps sharks out. This story is about another shark, the real man-eating shark from Jaws. Jaws was a 1975 thriller by Steven Spielberg, and it was actually based on a true story. In 1975, Steven Spielberg's blockbuster film Jaws demonized the great white shark. The movie was based on a bestseller written by Peter Benchley in February of 1974. Benchley, in turn, drew inspiration from the Jersey Shore shark attacks of 1916. A shark attacked five people along the coast of New Jersey during that summer. Four of the five victims died. Before the shark attacks in the summer of 1916, most people regarded sharks as harmless. Sharks feed solely on smaller fish and invertebrates, not humans. This view hardly changed after the first attack. In fact, the first attack garnered little attention. The press played it down as a fluke. However, sentiment changed following the second attack. It made the front page of several newspapers, such as the Boston Herald and the Washington Post. And this caused widespread panic. The first attack was July 1st of 1916 on Long Beach Island, New Jersey. It's a popular summer resort called Beach Haven. For many, its pristine waters and comfortable hotels provide a good break. And on the 1st of July of 1916, most hotels in Beach Haven were fully booked. The 4th of July celebrations were coming up, and visitors came all the way from Philadelphia and New Jersey to take advantage of Independence Day weekend. Some of them wanted to have a refreshing dip in the Atlantic Ocean on this summer day. Along the, among them was a 25-year-old named Charles Epting Van Zant. He was an active young man. Van Zant wanted to go in for one last swim before heading to dinner. Charles had just arrived from Philadelphia that afternoon with his father and two sisters. Although his family was still inside the Ingleside Hotel unpacking their belongings, Charles headed out to the beach, and there he spotted a playful retriever. As he waited in the waters while playing with the dog, his father and sister Louise arrived at the beach. Charles went further away from the shore into chest-deep water. He also tried to lure the dog, but the dog moved away instead. And suddenly Charles screamed. He splashed, shrieked, and cried for help. Around him the water was red. It was his blood. Alexander Ott, the lifeguard on duty, spotted Charles and sprang to his feet. He realized immediately that Charles was in grave danger. Charles, in the meantime, had managed to move closer to shore. Witnesses claim that the shark latched onto Van Zandt's legs for a long time. Alexander managed to pull Charles back to the beach. 
and afterward he grabbed the nearest shirt that he could find to make a tourniquet. But sadly, he was unable to save him. No one could save him. Charles Van Zandt died from a severed femoral artery. Now, the Van Zandt tragedy frightened the residents of the southern of southern New Jersey and from the Philadelphia area. Regrettably, though, the press didn't share the same feeling, and the reporters buried the story in the middle of the newspaper and played down the incident. The information in regard to the sharks is indefinite, and I hardly believe that Van Zant was bitten by a man-eater. Van Zant was in the surf playing with a dog, and it may be that a small shark had drifted in at high water and was marooned by the tide. Being unable to move quickly and without food, he had come in to bite the dog and snapped at the man passing. That's what was reported in the Philadelphia Public Ledger regarding the attack. And then there was a second attack at Spring Lake on July 6th. The second attack followed less than a week and 54 miles away from Beach Haven. It was in Spring, Spring Lake, another coastal resort in New Jersey. It was popular with a lot of New York City folk and the Philadelphia High Society. It was a charming beach community. It was in the borough of Essex and Sussex Hotel opened in 1914. The 27-year-old Swiss bellhop Charles Bruder worked there. On the 6th of July, Charles decided to go for a swim. Around 120 yards away from the shore, he started shouting for help. The shark chewed his legs off one at a time. Each bite pulled Charles further down under the water. George White and Chris Anderson, the lifeguards on duty, ran out with a boat to get Charles. Charles was trying to keep himself afloat amidst the bloody waters. He told White and Anderson that the shark had bitten him. They brought him back to shore, but Charles Bruder did not survive. His left leg had been bitten off above the knee and the right leg just below the knee. The shark also had nipped his left side. There were marks of teeth bites directly underneath his arm. Due to collective horror and more sensational reporting regarding the second attack, people started avoiding the beaches in New Jersey. The last three attacks, Matawan Creek, the next three attacks happened in Matawan Creek, six days after the second. Matawan Creek is roughly 28 miles away from Spring Lake and 11 miles inshore from the Atlantic Ocean. It's a freshwater creek. Even though its residents did not expect sharks in this area, they were vigilant. On the 12th of July, 1916, a retired captain named Thomas Cottrell observed a shark in the creek, and he warned those in town and asked them to stay away from the waters. Unfortunately, he missed warning a group of kids. One of them was an 11-year-old boy from New York, Lester Stilwell. 
Lester went into the water with his friends after lunch. One of his friends actually felt the shark, but did not panic. Suddenly, Lester started shrieking. The shark had started to drag the boy around. The other frightened children promptly left the creek and searched for help. Stanley Fisher, a 24-year-old man, tried to save the young boy, but the shark came for him, too. He fought and fought, but nothing worked. So a rescue boat came to save him. Those on the boat used their paddles to hit the shark, and eventually the shark let go of Stanley. The shark went to its next prey and found him 30 minutes later. 14-year-old Joseph Dunn from New York would be the final victim. He was attacked on his left leg, but his brother was able to save him in time. Of the three victims of Matawan Creek, only Joseph Dunn would survive. Two days after the last attacks, a German-American named Michael Schleiser caught a 7.5-foot, 325-pound great white shark in Raritan Bay. It was only a few miles away from the mouth of Matawan Creek. He saw 15 pounds of ingested human parts after he opened the shark's stomach. The shark attacks in Jersey Shore stopped after Michael Schleiser caught this man-eating white shark. A few facts about sharks. Mako sharks have very pointed teeth, while white sharks have triangular, serrated teeth. Each leave a unique telltale mark on their prey. A sandbar shark will have around 35,000 teeth over the course of its lifetime. Crocodiles are one of the few animals that will use any opportunity to take humans as prey. One simple rule is, the bigger they are, the more dangerous they are. And anything over six feet, which is two meters, is considered a threat to humans. Of all species, the undisputed heavyweight in terms of size is the saltwater crocodile of Southeast Asia and Australia. Reaching up to around 20 feet, that's six and a half meters in length, and with the strongest measured bite of any creature, these crocs are responsible for numerous deadly attacks each year. However, it's the Nile crocodile of Africa, which is responsible for the highest death toll. Estimates put the number of deaths deaths attributed to Nile crocs at between 150 and 500 per year, making them the number one cause of death involving wildlife in Africa. This is partly due to the fact that Nile crocodiles often live in close proximity to humans, but it also has a lot to do with their enormous size and their deadly jaws. There is one individual crocodile in Africa that has been responsible for far more than its share of the body count. A 20-foot, 2,000-pound croc named Gustav is said to have killed in the region of 300 people in the war-torn African country of Burundi. 
Gustav's killing spree dates back to the 1990s when he began taking people from the banks of the Ruzizi River and Lake Tanganyiki. Thought to be the largest Nile crocodile alive and possibly the oldest at an estimated 65 years, Gustav has evaded death and capture on several occasions. There are several scars on his body to testify to this, including a bullet mark in the center of his head. Unfortunately for the people of Burundi, Gustav's armor plating has served him well. Perhaps the most sinister aspect of the story is that many of the crocodile's victims were left uneaten. This has earned Gustav the reputation of being a ser serial killer as much as a man-eater, suggesting the giant croc hunted for fun as much as food. Over the years, it appears Gustav has disappeared on several occasions, only to return and continue his killing spree. He was last sighted in 2008, and it's very likely that Gustav is still out there. A fun fact about alligators. Alligators, along with other crocodilians, have gone through very little evolutionary change since the time of the dinosaurs. American alligators appeared about 84 million years ago, while their ancestors evolved more than 200 million years ago. The only older reptiles are turtles and tortoises. In fact, alligators are more closely related to dinosaurs than to other modern reptiles. In Jakarta, Indonesia, a 25-year-old Indonesian man was swallowed whole by a python on the island of Sulawesi, and it was said that he was ambushed from behind. A six-minute video obtained by CBS News on Wednesday shows villagers slicing open the python's carcass to reveal the legs and torso of the dead victim named Akbar. Juna Edi, the secretary of Salubiro village in West Sulawesi province, told the Associated Press that villagers began searching for Akbar on Monday night. After realizing he hadn't returned from work, he had been out working on palm oil crops the previous day. Juna Edi said Wednesday that the search party found scattered palm oil fruit a picking tool, and a boot, and then spotted the engorged 23-foot-long reticulated python. We saw, a python. we saw a python that couldn't move properly, and its belly was very swollen, said Osden Rudy Fatir, 43, according to the Ruder according to the Reuters news agency. We killed the python and dragged it out from the bush. It takes quite a while to drag it out because the snake is big and heavy, Juniati said. After that, we touched the snake's belly and felt like legs with a boot inside the belly, and then we cut it open.
When its stomach was cut, we first saw his boot and then legs near the neck. It seems he was attacked from behind because we found a wound on his back. Fatir said that people at the scene were shocked to find a human body inside. Reticulated pythons grab onto their prey with dozens of sharp, curved teeth, and then they squeeze it to death before swallowing it whole. They're widespread in Indonesia and other parts of Southeast Asia. Like many Indonesians, Junaidi uses one name, as did Akbar. It's initially believed to be under the influence of bath salts, when in 2012, Rudy Eugene carried out an insane attack against a 68-year-old homeless man named Ronald Popo. It was caught on camera, and the 18-minute-long attack consisted of Eugene ranning against Popo, accusing him of stealing his Bible before he beat Popo unconscious and then bit off most of his face, leaving him blind. Eugene became known as the Miami Zombie after the press released the details of the attack. When police arrived on scene, Eugene was still carrying out his attack on Popo and reportedly simply growled at police officers when they told him to stop. Eugene was then shot four times before he desisted his attack. Eugene died on scene. During Eugene's autopsy, police found that he had cannabis in his system as well as several pills in his stomach that they were unable to identify. Another known cannibal is Hannibal Lecter from The Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Rising. They're all based upon a character created by Thomas Harris. Hannibal Lecter's fictional, but Thomas Harris actually wrote The Silence of the Lambs and the other stories about Hannibal Lecter based off a real-life person. The author of Silence of the Lambs, Thomas Harris, interviewed a Mexican doctor imprisoned for murder in 1961. This doctor, Dr. Trevino, also known as Dr. Salazar, murdered his lover and was caught after burying the remains in a farmer's field. Trevino had shaved the meat off the bones before discarding them and bragged of his clean surgical skills. Harris interviewed him in prison and, and described him as possessing a cold intelligence. Up until 2013, when Harris disclosed this information, it was thought the real Hannibal Lecter was either a cannibal killer in England named Robert Maudsley or American serial killer Ed Gein. Robert Maudsley born in June of 1953, is an English serial killer who killed four people, with three of the killings taking place in prison after receiving a life sentence for murder. He killed pedophiles and convicted sex offenders in prison, and initial reports falsely stated he ate part of the brain of one of the men he killed in prison, 
which earned him the nickname Hannibal the Cannibal among the British press. The brain eater amongst other prisoners is what he had been called. However, the Press Complaints Commission records that national newspapers were subsequently advised that the allegations of this were untrue. He was not, in fact, a cannibal. Edward Gian was born August 27, 1906, and died July 26, 1984. He's also known as the Butcher of Plainfield or the Plainfield Ghoul. He was an American murderer and body snatcher. Gian's crimes, committed around his hometown of Plainfield, Wisconsin, gathered widespread notoriety in 1957 after authorities discovered he had exhumed corpses from local graveyards and fashioned trophies and keepsakes from their bones and skin. Now, to me, honestly, if you are a fan of Hannibal Lecter and Silence of the Lambs, um, Gian sounds more like Buffalo Bill and not really Hannibal Lecter. Gian also confessed to killing two women, tavern owner Mary Hogan in 1954 and hardware store owner Bernice Warden in 1957. Gian was initially found unfit to stand trial and confined to a mental health facility. By 1968, he was judged competent to stand trial. He was found guilty of the murder of Warden, but he was found legally insane and was remanded to a psychiatric institution. He died at Mendota Mental Health Institution of Respiratory Failure on July 26, 1984. He was 77. He's buried next to his family in Plainfield Cemetery in a now unmarked grave. Just some interesting facts about Hannibal Lecter. Oscar-winning actor who played Hannibal Lecter was Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins to be exact, and in the movie of The Silence of the Lambs. Mads Mikkelsen played Hannibal Lecter in the TV series Hannibal, and Brian Cox in Manhunter in 1986, and a French model and actor, Gaspard Ulliel, was Hannibal in Hannibal Rising. And with that, we're going to go on to another kind of a man-eater, a celebrity man-eater. In an interview with Elle, Miley Cyrus revealed that the London flat she was staying in during her 2009 European tour was haunted. It was seriously so terrifying. It used to be an old bakery and they turned it into an apartment building and I was having really crazy dreams and really scary things. And One night my little sister, it sounds crazy to tell you, but she was standing in the shower and all of a sudden I hear her scream. I ran in there and the water had somehow flipped to hot, but it, but it was still, it wasn't the water. The water had just changed. The knob had turned, but she hadn't turned it, and it, and it was burning her. It was She was really red. Before I felt this, I thought I had seen a little boy sitting on the sink watching me take a shower, so I felt really freaked out. I was sitting there the next night, and maybe I'm crazy, but I could have sworn I could see this little boy sitting there on the sink kicking his feet. My mom was getting mad that we were looking into it because she thought it was 
going to scare Noah. So then my aunt, who who uh, we hadn't told about this, comes in and she starts freaking out. She's like, I had no idea what happened, but I left the apartment and I came back and all the doors and the windows were open. I locked the apartment and I'm like, tell my mom she doesn't believe it. She doesn't believe anything is happening in this apartment. So she told her and I'm like, mom, see, I'm not making this up. Two or three more things happened after that. And I'll never stay there again. When we started looking into it, we found out this guy and his son, this guy who owned the bakery. It was one of those where the dads own it and the dads own it. And then there was this older man that owned it and his son lived with him there. And I guess the wife died or something. She'd gotten sick. So it was just the son and the dad that lived there in the bakery. And then the dad died and then the son took over the bakery. And, and I thought it was the son I was seeing. I'm not even kidding. Thank you, friends, for tuning in. That's all the time we have for today. I hope you come back next week. Tell a friend if you enjoyed the show. Tell two friends. Share the podcast. If you have any suggestions or any stories that, of your own that you'd like to share, please contact me at pd at petrifaction at protonmail.com and you might just hear your story. That's all for today's podcast. I thank you for tuning in and I hope you liked the show. If you did, please tell a friend, give us a rating, and hit subscribe. If you have a story you would like to share on Petrifaction, you can contact me at Petey at Petrifaction at ProtonMail.com. And remember to check out today's show notes for more information on today's stories. Please return next time to hear more stories and friends be prepared to be petrified. <laughs>